to What the Fertility. Today, we're sitting down with Becca Roberts, mom at the age of 45 through egg donation and owner and founder of Three Seeds Wellness Studio, a studio that offers several fertility services for women that are on their fertility journey. Welcome, Becca. Hi, guys. Hi, Kat. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. We are so excited it. to not only hear about your story. I mean, mom at 45. So that was definitely a long journey. Um, first time mom at 45. <laughs> yes. First time mom at 45. Yes. I want to hear I, about um, that. And then definitely want to hear about your studio. I, I know I've benefited from your services there, but we can kind of share with everyone. So if you want to start, um, I guess, kind of with your fertility journey. Well, so I started to, um, this was me this morning at 415. I was typing out stuff because I, I was it. like, I was like, I'm going to get on here and forget. And then I, and then, you know, I did everything I possibly could to, and then I kept walking away from this because even so our, uh, my, my daughter, Clara is three and a half now, oh. and, um, it still is difficult to go back and vi- revisit my journey. Um, I'm really good at helping others with their journey. So I started to write it down. I mean, I got up, I watered my plants. I folded 9 million pounds of laundry. I organized, and then I would come back to it. So anyway, um, it was, um, it was harder than I thought. I've never written it on paper. And I think when we write things on paper, it really does, um, come to, it's just hits you in the face. So, um, so a little bit about my journey. Um, I met my husband, um, my I am going through a divorce and have finalized that just this past Wednesday. Um, very bittersweet. Um, so I met him in 2013 and at the time I think I wasn't even 40 and he was 41. So it was, um, you know, we're older parents and now I'm 48 and he's 51 and we have a three and a half year old bless ourselves. Um, (laughs) and so, um, we met and, um, at that point, I was finally, I thought I was finally in a place like I was, I was happy. I was single. Um, and I was ready for a a healthy relationship and Tim came along and, um, I was like, Oh, somebody that's responsible, hardworking, has nice things, like wants to take care of me, you know, all the things I never had when I was growing up. And, um, and then I was like, and then we're going to have a baby and then we're going to build a house. And, you know, you, you go into this whole thing as women about your timeline and where you think you should be. And when you hit 39 and 40, you know, I think we are conditioned and taught that, I mean, once you're over 40, like you, I mean, you are too old to have a baby and, and you're, you're rolling the dice if you are going to have a baby. And so my OBGYN, you know, full court press me, um, that I was way past the age, um, that something could go wrong, you know, so right in the beginning, um, that kind of set me in this pace of panic, um, where I, you know, I listened to another one of your podcasts and I feel like, I missed the whole part of my relationship with my husband and was skipped all of that foundation and raced to the finish line, trying to have this child. Well, I think in in your instance, like you're saying, you listen to some of the other podcasts, the women that were married that identified fertility problems had a few years in their marriage to identify that for what, what I'm hearing you say is 
we yeah. we knew because of our age that we were going right. to have to immediately look into this. Yes. So, I mean, you know, without trying to be a total psycho, you know, I was like, ah, oh, let's, we'll just hang out. And then I couldn't get pregnant, you know? Um, and so finally we had Tim tested and, you know, for men, if, you, if they take like, um, a hormonal supplement, like testosterone. Um, so he was taking at the time, um, a testosterone supplement, like underneath his armpit. And so, and basically we had a sperm test and he had no sperm. Um, and so, you know, I, I mean, and so he went off it and four months later I got pregnant. And so I was like, Woo! oh, this is good. I never in my head was like, holy crap. You know, I, I just had a miscarriage. Um, so I did have my first miscarriage, um, which you never think it, it's going to happen to you. And then it happens. And, um, you know, now looking back, it's just like, it's, it happens so much and is so common, um, but it's still completely devastating. Oh, um, and so, um, I, we, so wait, what was that timeline? So you guys were trying and then between that and then, the, so we were probably, we had probably been together about a year. And so I got pregnant, I think I was 40. Um, and so it wasn't very long after, I mean, we, we weren't even married. We were just living together. Um, and so I got pregnant and, you know, right when I showed him that pregnancy test and how excited I was. And again, you know, his look on his face was like, I don't think those things are very accurate. Um, you know, and I think things again, looking back, like when I was writing this, I was like, I don't think that he really wanted to have a child. And I, I like think seeing red flags, like throughout the whole thing, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and then when I'm working with fertility clients and their husbands and, and them, you know, I feel like, you know, we, as women and then, and sometimes men, we get on this just fast track and, and we, it's like, we don't even want to hear what they have to say because we want it. And Absolutely. so, and yeah. it's hard. Um, and then I don't think we ever really sat down and had that conversation. Like you're 42, do you want to have another child? And so, he, and he had a 27 year old at that point. Okay. Um, and you know, he was like, well, whatever you want to do. So anyway, uh, another like year goes by, I got pregnant or another six months. I got pregnant again. Like I could get pregnant. I just couldn't keep the baby. Um, chromosomal abnormalities, come to find out I have, um, I have a blood clotting disorder. So this is all at the OBGYN. And finally, after that, I was like, I can't, you know, I had two DNCs, um, with those two miscarriages. And then finally, um, this is all in a span of like three years. And finally at that point, um, was when we decided to go to the fertility clinic. So Becker, and, can I ask you, cause sure. you're a little bit, you were a little bit older going through loss and recurrent loss. Did you have, I mean, I think I, we've talked about this before, but like you, did you have a community? Did you have people you could talk to about that? Because I'm assuming your quote unquote peers were like moms to middle school kids. Or yeah, I mean, like right now I'm 48, like my friend's kids are graduating college. Wow. And I have a three and a half year old. So that, you know, and I think people thought I was nuts to like 
not be married and not, you know, like, I don't know if this is the right guy. And, and, you know, what are you doing? Like, oh my God, are you, you know, and I think at that point you're friends, but, and your, you know, your tribe is just like, oh, like you do you, it's your journey. Um, but I didn't have any support, support from any OBGYNs. There's no, you know, and then I mean, I basically got kind of pushed out of the door at the OBGYN, like, well, good luck at the fertility clinic. Cause it's probably not going to happen there, you know, so and, frustrating. and, so it, and, frustrating too. um, and that, so no, I had, I mean, I didn't even know, like, you know, when I had those two miscarriages, like, oh, here, take this pill, you'll be fine. Here's what a DNC, you know, I mean, it just, there is no information and no and, and I think it does start at the OBGYNs, like, and our goal here is to help women before we get to that point, what's going on before you have to end up at a fertility clinic. Yeah. So anyway, um, go to the fertility clinic finally. I mean, and was like, oh, fantastic. Like, oh, they're going to, we're going to get, they're going to get our baby. It's going to be, you know, they're going to take my eggs and his sperm. It's going to be really easy. You know, I feel like we all go into that, like thinking, oh, the fertility clinic is like the easy fix. You're like, I mean, we all there. It's going to be so smooth. No problems at all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so going in there, I really had no idea even like what I was do. I mean, I had no, there was no prep work, you know, no one told me like, you better strap your boots on even more. Um, so anyway, uh, I sat down with Dr. Singleton. I went to the fertility center of Charleston, which is now, um, a door. And she said, uh, no way are we going to be able to use your own eggs. And I was like, wait a minute. What, what are you talking about? I was like, like no, right I, off the bat, just because like of right the, off the ribs, sat down in the chairs. And then she said, um, you know, the st- statistics were less than 1% for using my eggs because of the quality. Um, go ahead, Kat. <laughs> I was going to say, um, cause we haven't really spoken about this. So women's fertility quote unquote start to decline at like 35. And for ma- men, do they say again, quote unquote, like average is around 40. It starts to decline. Well, I think, you know, what I'm finding more. And then, you know, when I blew your phone up last week about after I watched that documentary, not yes. so pretty, the infertility, I mean, we could go and that's a whole nother thing, but the infertility percent is so high right now for men and women. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're 25 or if you're 55, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't matter. And it's much more than age playing into this. I oh. think, yeah, I think Amanda is prime example. Since you were 20. I, I was 25 when we like first started kind of everything honestly, like I, I, yes, for women age has a lot to do with it. Cause we're only born with a certain amount of eggs. Men produce sperm every four days or something. I don't know that statistic. So really a 70 year old man can still, I mean, now you want to, uh, they could, but, um, but for me, that wasn't an option, you know? And so, and then that was it. Like, so-and-so, uh, so-and-so will talk to you about finances and let us know you want to do. And I mean, it was a little bit more than that, but I was like, I mean, I just sat there and Tim's like, well, I got to get back to work. And I was like, what, what, like, the, what is happening? What, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. 
And, and then, you know, you go in and you're I'm like, I, it, it's just, you don't, it, you're just, I can't even say it out loud. Like you're just so shocked. And so that was the start of our fertility journey at, um, at the fertility clinic. And so I think that, um, statistically with donor eggs, I would have over a 65, 70% chance. And with my own eggs, I would have less than 1%. And, you know, I really did respect Dr. Singleton for saying, I am not going to use your eggs and any fertility clinic that uses your eggs, they shouldn't do because they would be, they're just going to take your money over and over and over. Wow. So well, I think you've already gone through two losses. So going through IVF in itself is so demanding and exhausting and emotionally draining. You're probably looking at the 60% to the less than one. And, and at that point I was like, okay, you know, in my head, because I'm like so persistent. And so like, if I get my eye on the prize, I mean, I know Kat Baker, you're like, I mean, you, I mean, we're going to do whatever we can. Like I would have climbed the Himalayas to have this child, yeah. you know, so it was just, and then it was a whole, um, I mean, from picking your egg donor offline to then the process. And, and after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then this is it for me. Cause I was like 42 at the time when we went to the fertility clinic, almost 43. So, so you at that point, and you just wanted then one child or were you? Still oh yeah. Child? Oh yeah. I mean, at that point, I mean, it was just like thousands and thousands of dollars. And as we were getting older and then, you know, my husband was like, I, I don't, I don't want to keep going through this, you know? And so again, I mean, we missed years of us. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and that's what makes me sad because I'm like, man, you know, would things have been different? Um, would our marriage have been different? You know, um, but you know, that's here nor there. We, we, we don't, we don't get to choose a lot of that. Um, all that's already, already written in our celestial contract. So, um, and now we have a beautiful baby girl and, and we share her and she loves us both obviously. And we get along, um, to, to parent our daughter. So yes, we went through IVF. Um, it is a heck of a lot easier from what I hear. I mean, your eggs get flown in you, you get 11 eggs. Yeah. That's what I want to, I want to talk about that because oh, okay. I, I went through the embryo side of it. Like we adopted embryos. So we didn't yeah. have just, we had an egg donor and a sperm donor, but they yeah. were ready then, you know, embryos at that point. Yeah. So I'm curious just to hear about like just the egg donor side of it. So basically what you do is you go on the egg bank of America and you know, certain part, uh, certain fertility clinics use certain egg banks. Um, and this particular egg bank doesn't show the person as an adult. So you only get to see the, um, the, this person as a child, which, yeah. which, I'm, which I'm, was weird and strange enough but I'm glad I'm ours glad. was with the sperm donor. So ours mm -hmm. is like an open adoption with the egg donor, but the sperm donor is anonymous. So we have like a profile and yeah. it literally is the baby picture and that's it. Yeah. No adult pictures or anything like that. And we saw, so, you know, you go on this egg bank and you're on your computer and like, we're like eating dinner. Tim's working. And I was like, okay, well, let's start scrolling through the, you know, and then you put in, like both have 
really big blue eyes. So I was like, you know, then everything goes through your head. I mean, if this child has brown eyes, people are going to know it's it's a donor <laughs> egg. And then we can't have people, you know, and I think also that's another thing that we could talk about is I didn't want to tell anybody, but for me to be able to speak my truth and help women through this, that would be misleading to be like, I had a baby of 45. And, and, and I did, um, not tell people at first, but then I was like, I can't live my life not, and especially being, helping women, not being honest about this. And someday my child is going to go on that, you know, ancestry.com or whatever. And she'll probably have like 50 brothers and sisters, but anyway, um, (laughs) so, um, you go online, you put in like your features and, you know, and then literally like not that many pictures pop up. I mean, there was probably like 20, 20 options. And I, and then you literally scroll through and look and you're like trying to, and for me, it was like, I was looking for who looked like me because it was me, you know, we were using Tim's sperm. So I'm like, she's not going to look like me. Like everyone's going to know. I mean, and you just go through this whole thing, like, okay. And me being, you know, the spiritual person I am, I'm like, this child's soul has nothing to do with this body. And, you know, this is all just, so this child, I mean, you know, this soul is going to come in regardless of what this body looks like for this child. So I I love that you're bringing this up because people that can just conceive naturally with their partner, it's so funny. Half of their kids don't look like them anyways, but then we're thrown into this. We want to control the situation so much, obviously. I mean, that's just like human nature. Yeah. So I was like, so worried that she was going to grow, you know, or she was going to, well, we, we, we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or girl at that point. Um, and so I'm flipping through pictures and wait, no, maybe we did. No, we didn't. We didn't, we didn't know, but you, I think you, yeah, well, you're looking at the egg donor. So you're looking at the, the, the female. So anyway, I mean, it took me probably over a month and I would go back and then something it like almost makes me want to cry. Like something about this one picture was like, that's her. Um, and so see, it's still so emotional. Um, and I was like looking at my baby pictures and looking, and I was like, it, it looks like me. And now luckily my husband and I, we look like we could be brother or sister. So <laughs> our child looks just like both of us. I love um, that. So you pick your egg donor and you pay, I think it was $11,000 for 11 eggs. Wow. And they get, they're frozen. Um, And now again, you read like she has, they go through an extensive amount of testing, an extensive amount of, um, you know, questions and, and history. And so you can read all about that too. So you're not only looking at the picture, you're looking at like, does this woman have, does this donor have, you know, thyroid issues in her past, you know? And so you're able to make like a, like your decision based on medical side of it, like building a human being. It is the weirdest. It's so crazy. Um, it's so crazy. So so cool. (laughs) yeah, you go, you go through this whole process. And then finally I just looked at Tim. I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pick one. Like, 
it doesn't matter at this point. Like, I don't, this is not what it's about. It's about, you know, whatever child God gives us, that will be our child. Whatever this child looks like, that will be our baby. That will be my baby because I'm going to carry this child. So 11 eggs get shipped in. So these are all frozen embryos. Um, and with, through egg donation, I think they can donate more than once. So that's another thing. Even right now, as I sit here, I'm like, how many times did this woman donate? You yeah. know, like, and but, have siblings out there that you don't even know about girl. I'm like, okay. But I try not to think about that right now. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, 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 I actually just had a conversation because we watched um, the documentary about the father. Uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't about it. what? Really, oh, have you not it seen it, Becca? What's it called? Our father. No. Oh my gosh. You need to watch it. It was so yeah. crazy. So, so it's about long story short, it was a doctor um, and he like used his own sperm and literally like had all of these children out there and all these people didn't know that they were related. Well, so the women didn't know he was using their sperm. They thought they were using their husband's sperm or donor sperm. And he was, yeah, it's a little much, but I think there's like upwards of almost a hundred siblings. Now that's not to scare anyone. That's a very unique situation and it came out, but yes. Anyway. Yeah, no, everything is very, um, we were really happy with the whole egg bank. It was, it's very professional. It's very discreet. It's, um, it's very, um, everything is, is done very professionally. So you know? And I said that just to say, so I was literally talking to my father-in-law about this after we watched it. And I was like, oh my goodness, like later down the line, like we're going to have to make sure like if, if Ben, which is my son, if yeah. he's like dating, like, cause he's half Korean. I'm like, so if he's dating a half Korean, we're going to have to make sure like they're yeah. not siblings. Cause we don't know how many times the yeah. doctor was used, you know? Um, well, that's the thing. I think, um, my, my, one of my best friends fr- growing up, um, had to get a donor egg too. So, and she had her son, Leo, um, right around the same time or a little later than about a year later. Um, and so we talked about this extensively and I was like, are you going to tell Leo, you know, like, and I mean, I don't know if my ex-husband will listen to this, but you know, he was just so worried about that. And I was like, I'm not, I, I mean, and so I, this is part of my journey and, and to not live my authentic truth about, about having Claire and what, what I went through to get her. And maybe someday, like, you know, not maybe when she's five, I mean, that that's, I don't know yet. So my friend, my best friend was like, yeah, I, I struggle with the same thing. And so again, that's, that's another, that that could be a whole nother podcast, but so anyway, they, they fertilize the eggs and then, you know, you guys both went through it. We wait, we see five days, we see what works. And so out of the 11, three made it to top quality. Now this egg donor was 22. Oh. So you, do you see, it's like the statistics, like they really, it's really, you know, and I tell all my fertility patients, I say, listen, the thing about this journey is there are no guarantees. You cannot control it enough to ever feel secure yeah. and ever feel like I got this. And then when you have the child, it's the same thing. You think you got it and then you don't have it. And it's um, being a mom and going through fertility, you really, you, you lose, you learn to just give up control and surrender a lot. Absolutely. So, um, anyway, three made it. 
um i was like and then at that point i'm thinking oh oh my god okay i've got i've got th- i've got three eggs i was like oh my god what am i what okay so three so we went through the first round of of ivf and you know in my mind i'm like this is a 22 year old egg i'm like i'm good and it didn't work and i was devastated i was like why is this not? And at that point I was just so, I was so angry. You, you guys know, you go through those ups and downs. I mean, I was pissed. Get them, did you get them genetically tested or did you do a fresh little, well, I guess. So, so we, they don't genetically test um, donor eggs when they're that, because it's a 22 year old egg. And at that point, um, you know, and you don't want to mess with that embryo any more than you need to. Um, I, of course, being me, I was like, I'm going to get it. Like I'll get myself tested, which you can do through a blood work at 10 weeks with your regular OBGYN. So I did like, like you had, you've gotten pregnant twice. So you're like, it's not that I can't get pregnant. It's that my, my embryos were, I guess, of poor poor quality. So I never had, and by the grace of God, like I never had endometriosis. I never had, you know, um, a lot of the PCOS, like, um, or I never had just unexplained infertility. I just, the quality of my eggs at 44, 43 were just not good enough. Now they probably could have found one deep down. I mean, but yeah, at that point, you know, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm up against that timeline. I'm like, okay, here we go. You know? And so when it didn't work, um, I had a massive meltdown breaking point and I was like, I- I'm done. I, I can't do it again. Um, and then, you know, as you guys know, going through the IVF, the shots, the emotions, and then I, you know, I had a blood, dis- uh, blood clotting disorder. So I had to inject myself with, um, stuff every day in my stomach. And, and at that point, I mean, I was, and I'm working, so I'm like, I'm massaging, I'm, you know, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And then I was like, you know what? No, you can, you're going to finish this. You're going to, you're going to finish these two embryos. And so at that point, and I know, I don't know if you guys have done this. I'm I'm assuming you have, I mean, we all seem to do the same things going through fertility, but I started to plan my whole other life without a child. I was like, I'm going to go to be the fun aunt. I'm going to travel everywhere. I'm like, I'm going to go to Italy. And I started planning my trip to Italy. I started thinking about my bucket list. I thought about what Tim and I, you know, could do because it's the only way to protect your heart because. Oh, absolutely. Not being at my mechanism. Yeah. You're like, okay, if this doesn't work, I'm going to have lined up the best possible life for myself. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you, what am I going to do if I'm not a mom? And that is a question that we all have faced going through this journey. And sure. I think you know, and when I work with my fertility clients, you, you know, it's, that's a hard statement to make. I don't usually talk about that much because I'm, they're not here to hear the, the, you know, I'm I'm like, I'm here to try to help you. So whatever I can do to try to help you, because in that, you guys know, in that state of mind, you're like, you know, I'm having this baby and and the littlest thing turns people off because it's just triggers and triggers and triggers. So, um, I took a break for, um, for five months and I was so sad and angry. And I called my best friend, um, Shonda from, um, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa originally. And I was like, I got to get out of town. I was like, she's like, let's go to Sedona. Oh yeah. Regroup. Um, and 
she was like, I think you need to, and now like working with my clients, like we hold so much grief for our, in our journey that, and I'm big on energy work. And so when we hold on to that grief, like there is, you got to move that out. So the space for the new, so for the, the child that's waiting can come. So we hike to the top of this, we go to Sedona. I mean, I'm just sobbing and we hike cathedral rock, which I was like, I, how am I going to get it? I'm like, I don't hike at all. <laughs> and <clears throat> she's like, you'll know when you get to the, the right moment where you're going to let. And, and really what I was doing is I was grieving in the loss of the first two children that I lost. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, because they were real, they had heartbeats, they were, you know, and, and I didn't realize that. And then, um, I had to let them go. And so we found this tree and I was like, this is it. And we look up and there's like three, you know, there's two big mountains. And then, you know, I even looked at the first IVF as, as a loss as well. Absolutely. Like they're all losses. And I saw these three mountains and I said, you know, a little prayer out loud. Thank you for letting me be your mom for even a minute. And I love you. And, but I, I need to make some space for the child I'm meant to have. And we sobbed and sobbed. And then I climbed up this mountain and almost died. And then I came back and started my second round of IVF a month later. And I got pregnant with Clara. Wow. So That's I think so therapeutic, I think letting go and taking a break is important in this journey, um, you know, and then you're pregnant and then it's, a, you know, it's a whole nother realm of stuff. And then you have the baby and it's a whole, it's like a net, this, this journey is filled with such joy and anger and trauma and, and love and anger. It's like a whole roller coaster, but so that's kind of my, um, and here we are with a three, three and a half year old. Um, I actually, so I have a question for you. Sure. Um, and just because like, I went through this, like the process of using donations just on the other side, obviously we used embryo adoption. So me, for instance, and I'm curious just because like, it sounds like you didn't have this or go through this, but for me, I was like, okay, if we are going to use a donor, I wanted it to be either both of us, like both my eggs and then my husband's sperm or neither of us. And I was like, I could not. And I'm sure listeners, you know, are going through that are going through this too, like have to kind of figure that out, which one works for them. But like for you, did you ever have those feelings of like, okay, it's not going to be me and it's only going to be my husband. I don't know. I just kind of like, I was like, it can't be that way. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I, I thought to myself, at least she will have, at least she will have one of our DNA. And then but then when you think about it, like the female body, like when we carry this child inside of us and, and, and even if you had a, like our, our blood still runs through this child, our, you know, this is our DNA is still running through this child. I mean, and it, and it's just like, it's all it is, is it's, I, and I try to look at it very simple. I'm like, this is just a piece of tissue that was donated. And then, you know, a soul comes in And I really just stick to that. Like Clara chose me to be her mom. I carried her. And even the women who use um, surrogate, like these souls pick us. I mean, this contract was written. I mean, Kat, look at you, girl. Like, look what you've been through. Like, 
God was like, oh no, girl, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one waiting for you, but no, I, I'm kind of, I know Becca, I think I might've asked you this question when I was trying to decide, you know, embryo adoption, donor, donor eggs, adoption, traditional adoption. And for me, I feel like I had a similar mindset to you, Becca, of, and what I think I try to even, you know, say with you, Amanda, like as the woman, like donor egg or not, like your blood's in that baby, you're growing that baby. And yeah. for me, you know, donor eggs and embryo adoption donation just never became an option because I thought like I couldn't carry a child didn't matter you know what because I kept getting normal embryos but yeah I could definitely resonate with both of those both of your thoughts harder for men yeah Um, I have a couple clients and I have seen I don't see too many husbands here but um you know I have seen one recently and I think for you know you know I am man hear me roar I can't it's not, it's gotta be my, you know, I mean, that's a more male instinctual, like we're like, give me the baby so I can take care of it. You know, <laughs> I don't know why I did that voice, but, um, <laughs> but I think for men, it's like, oh God, we got to pass our DNA sperm. And, and, you know, I think it's different, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was just curious just cause we didn't, yeah. we had like a double donation. So I was just curious from like someone who's done only the one side. Yeah. Yeah. That was something. Yeah. And I think after I got pregnant, I was like, you know, that was all out the window. Like I didn't even care about that. I was like, oh my God, get, get me to 10 weeks. Oh my God. Get me to second. Oh my God. You know, and Uh, so I'm in that mindset now. (laughs) Oh my God. Get me. Okay. If, if, if she was born today, she would live. And then I ended up having, you know, that, I mean, that statement, like I'm so close to viability week. And I just keep being like, okay, like 17 more days, 16 more days. Like, of course, no like one a, wants to have a baby, right? Nobody wants to have a baby at 24 weeks. But when you've been through all this, you're like, I'll take worst case scenario. No. Yeah. Well, and you know, when, when we do IVF and now I've learned more about um, all of this process and educating myself and, um, and I do want to go back to like the, the support at fertility clinics too. But, um, so I had Clara at, so I had Vasa previa, which is common. I had placenta previa and Vasa previa placenta previa. The, the placenta just doesn't move. So you, you know, you have to have a C-section. Um, uh, now Vasa previa is almost like her umbilical cord growing on the outside. So, um, and this is where like, I mean, I am woo woo as they can get, but modern medicine, without it, you know, Western medicine, I would have died. And so would have Clara, like you, you cannot give a vaginal birth, um, with Vasa previa. And so it, because she would bleed out. Becca, I so appreciate you saying that I have friends that also, you know, you know, they, they're, I'm trying to say this lightly, you know, they believe like what they eat affects, you know, how the pregnancy is going and, and what they do and how they exercise and stuff. And, you know, when it, when it comes to placenta previa or anything like that, you can't like, there's no easy that you can't eat a carrot and fix it. And I just appreciate you saying that from where you come from yeah. professionally. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, and, you know, I love all of the women that I've worked with. I mean, you can drink all the pomegranate juice. And, and now, I mean, and you know, Kat, now you've been through this, it doesn't look, yes, you need to be healthy. I would never tell you not to be as a wellness practitioner, but again, it is like you could, and the first time I got, 
um, the first, IV, the first round of IVF, I did no caffeine, no, yeah. no I mean, I ate or, I mean, and the second time I was like, screw it. Like I, I couldn't even do it. I ate mac and cheese and bread and you know, it just, and I took prenatal vitamins from Walgreens. Like it doesn't. So I think no matter what, um, so I, I went in for my 30 week checkup and next thing I know, I'm at, um, a fetal medicine, um, uh, doctor, um, uh, specialist. And he was like, you're done working and you need to go home and lay low. So that was at 30 weeks. And I was like, well, what's going on? And basically like, if you start bleeding, you need to get to the hospital within 15 minutes. I'm like, I live on John's Island. I'm like, I can't even get off the Island. If it, (laughs) but they basically, basically said your baby could die if you start bleeding. So in my head, I'm like, what? So another thing, it just abrupt, abrupt. So again, you get pregnant after going through this whole journey, you have no idea how the rest of the pregnancy is going to go. And my, so that was on a Monday. My whole family came in town for my baby shower that following weekend. And my aunts, my cousins, all my friends planned this thing. And Saturday night, after I was told on Monday, I started bleeding in bed in the middle of the night and lost my noodle called 911, woke up my mom, you know, um, and next thing you know, I'm taking an ambulance down to MUSC and I'm like, and the fire, they didn't get there for 30 minutes. I was like, Oh my God, my baby's going to be dead because you can't get me, you know, and, and it, and I got down to, you know, imagine that. So I mean, the the night, literally 3am the night before my baby shower and, um, got down there and, you know, in the middle of the night, it's a bunch of residents and they were like, well, we might have to take this baby out. You know, I was like, what, what? Um, so I'm in the hospital. Uh, my mom's there, all, all my family, Tim, and we go in and I was like, I, I, she's going to be gone. You know, we didn't get her out in time. And there was the, her heartbeat. And it was like, I know it's, it's like so emotional even to say that out loud. Like I can't even, yeah, of course. And so, um, and there she was like, just fine. And so it's just so many scares. So I couldn't leave the hospital. Like once that is such a serious thing. Um, and, uh, you know, the residents are like, maybe we're going to have to take her out. And I was like, Whoa. And then my good friend and now, um, a client and so forth, um, the head of fetal medicine or the head of, um, um, uh, is, uh, of MUSC, uh, fetal medicine is, is Dr. Donna Johnson. And she came in the next morning and I remember, you know, her and all these residents and she is the most wonderful woman. And she was like, I'm going out of town. And I remember she turned around to all these, all these, and she's like, nobody's taken out this baby. <laughs> nobody, nobody touched this baby without talking to me, you know, cause you want to be able to keep the baby in. I mean, at that point, yes, Clara would be fine. You know, if, on the outside, you know, at that point I was like, take this baby out because she's going to live on the outside, you know, on the inside, we, you know, you don't really know. So, uh, I kept her in and had her at 32 weeks and five days. Finally. Oh my goodness. Did, was that, did she have to go to the NICU? Was that, uh, so they definitely want to get, you know, they give you the shots to help, um, you know, um, progress their lungs along it's yes. really the lungs yeah. they're worried about at that point and but- I actually just learned this Becca you probably know this too but apparently and Amanda I don't know if you know this but apparently female babies are better preterm than males because they have better lung de- development like in oh yeah ages. so 
um, boy babies, their lungs are, I mean, the girls are always better. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm in the hospital, like three weeks, like a lot of times by myself, like my husband had to work, like, you know, and then I'd be fine. I wouldn't bleed for a couple of days and then I would bleed. And then finally I was like, I, I, I'm going to need you to take this baby out. And it was October 5th. It was October 15th. And I was born on October 19th. And, and so they were like, well, we can take her out on Friday, the 19th. And I'm like, you're not taking this child out on my birthday. That's my birthday. (laughs) And then that night they, um, I, I think I had had enough and they did all these scans on her brain and they were like, she looks great, but let's just, let's just get her out. You know? So she was in the NICU for, uh, five weeks. Um, that's a whole nother story. I was going to say that has to be, so um, but she was born at four pounds and 10 at 10 ounces. So she wasn't like, you know, when you, if you experience the NICU, which I hope neither of you ever do, um, there are babies that are one pound. And yeah. so four pounds, 10 ounces, like, yes, she fit in the palm of Tim's hand, but, and we were only in the level for NICU for, um, about two weeks or a week and a half. And then we went, we stepped down. So, um, but yeah, so that, that's a little bit about where we were and, um, still can't ride an elevator downtown. Um, cause it reminds me of going up to the NICU up and down. So every time I go in an elevator and, and hear the beeps, that reminds me of that. But, um, and then you bring this small preemie home and you're like, now what, how would it, how would we do? you know? Um, and I know, so uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I, I know uh-huh. I didn't know a lot, a lot of those pieces of the story. Um, I, because I've been a client at three seeds wellness, could you kind of, I guess, share your, I mean, I, I think I know, but your passion behind opening it, what yeah. kind of services you guys offer. And yeah. I mean, it's been really beneficial for me. Yes. So we, I decided to go on my, uh, I've been massaging, I'm a massage therapist. I've been massaging for almost 20 years and I went on my own, um, in 2009 after I had Clara and then during COVID and all of that, like, oh, and, and, you know, so I had this baby also who's one during COVID and now I'm home. So that was a whole, you know, what show. And so I started, I started my own business and then I was like, I think I'm going to open a wellness studio because I couldn't get off my mind, um, being able to provide for women in one collective spot, all kinds of practitioners and acupuncturists. And, but always in the back of my head, it was, I always, my passion was like, I have to find a way to educate women and help women before they have to go through what I went through. And it could be at 20, it could be at 45. Um, if there's a way to help them, or if they are where I was in my journey at whatever age to be able to walk, help them through that, um, with just some tools or some, just some things I didn't know. Um, I felt really alone. I, in this journey, I felt, um, like there wasn't a lot of information out there, not a lot of groups, not a lot of support groups. Um, so I was like, I'm going to put together a solid fertility team here. So we do, I do regular massage and then I also do fertility massage. So really I'm the one who kind of brings the client in and like talks to them, see, you know, we see where they're at in their journey. Um, Cassie's our acupuncturist, Cassie divine. 
I did acupuncture um, and I swear on my life with it. I did it with blue heron um, for a year or two years before I even had, was pregnant with Clara. Um, so I swear my I swear on my life, uh, um, the acupuncture helps. We have Dr. CC Carter, who's our functional medicine doctor and working with her. I've learned so much more about infertility and a lot of the underlying things that that pop up that doctors don't regular doctors and even fertility clinics don't test for. And so my goal at three seeds was to help prepare women and be like, Hey, listen, have you had your adrenal glands checked? Like, and like, when I mean your adrenal, not one blood test, I mean, a, a, a 12 hour spit test. Um, so, and, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's so important because like for me, like when you get, and I think a lot of our listeners, when you get two years into this unexplained infertility journey, then they send you to a functional medicine doctor and then it's identified, be it a, you know, right like a thyroid issue or, and to your point, I mean, just knowing that upfront and yeah. I know Amanda, you had a little bit of that too, that mm-hmm. little, like, you know, with, with your, um, immune with lupus even. And I know yeah. that was taught yeah. early, thankfully, but sometimes just a traditional doctor doesn't put those items together with fertility. Yeah, sure. and well, I don't think they'll admit, like, they still won't tell me that there's like a direct correlation. Like I'm having to do that side on my, on my yeah. own because they will not touch it with like a 10 foot pole. So and this, that's where I think, so anyway, really quick about three seeds. Yeah. We just, and then we have Dr. Carter. And so we all kind of work as a team to help women from where, wherever they are at in their journey. And, and also just to be a support system, mm-hmm. um, call and check on them. Hey, how you doing? I mean, and I think going through what, and we've all gone through our own fertility journeys here. So being able to say wholeheartedly, like, I know what this feels like to not have a heartbeat and to have to go back in four days to double check. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was like, there's gotta be some more information to give women before they even get to this point. How can you prep your body when you're thinking about having a baby? Maybe you don't know, but, um, and then I watched that not so pretty in my head was like, so again, that's a whole nother topic probably, but I'm big on, um, people seeing Dr. Carter doing a cortisol, doing an adrenal gland test to test your cortisol, doing a 30 day hormone, um, test that follows your hormones on 30 days, not just one blood test of one day, um, a heavy metal test to make sure that you're not literally toxic with lead mercury. Um, and then, you know, now I'm even going, I watched that documentary about BPAs, phthalates, Um, you know, as I'm sitting here with my nails, getting your nails done shampoo. I mean, I lost my noodle watching that show. Yeah. I literally was in bed and I was like, what is going? I was like, let's link it in in the show notes. I want to link a few things because I know we didn't really get time to, but the, it's called not so pretty. And is that on Netflix? So not so pretty is on Netflix. And it's literally, I think only three episodes. Um, it's like the, and it's really about, our beauty, our beauty industry here in the United States, none of our, now listen, I, I am guilty of do, using a lot of products that are probably really, really bad for me, but now I've sat and I'm like going to go back, but going through, going through this journey of fertility. Um, so it basically, we don't have any regulations on what is in our beauty um, products here. So um, let's just take gold bond for example, how many guys 
put gold bond on their you know what mm, I okay so the the documentaries um you know it so that's talc so talc cannot really grow without asbestos so it's the same with johnson's and johnson's baby powder that's talc where there is talc grown 90 percent of the time or whatever i don't know the statistics it comes, it grows with asbestos. So imagine us putting on our baby from day one, Johnson's and Johnson's powder. Imagine guys, male infertility is the highest it's ever been. So, um, it is definitely, and I mean, look at all the products that guys use now, but I'm telling you, I literally was like, Oh, I got pain. It's absolutely well, yeah, good. it's crazy. And then when you get pregnant, they say like, you can't use a retinol. Don't get your hair dyed in the first trimester. You know, I've always, I have an amazing nail place here in Mount Pleasant. That's toxic free, free coat, but like, don't do your nails at certain amount of time. When in reality, to your point back into the documentary's point, what about preconception? Because it's right. all still, right. you're pregnant for four weeks and you don't know. Well, that, and like, you know, look at what we're even like, you know, so of course I, I watch that in bed and I look over and I, there's like some Johnson's and Johnson's shampoo. I just bought for Clara because her hair is so damn tangly and I'm, you know, and I flip it over. So I think from day one now, look, it's in everything, but I think phthalates are one of the biggest ones and they're almost in every beauty product BPA. And what, and, you know, I would highly suggest anybody going through infertility or even trying to have a baby to literally watch this documentary. Um, we'll link it. And then I don't know if you yes. ended up reading it or not, but it starts with the egg goes through almost the, the same with the phthalates, the BPA. I know I sw- I threw out every plastic Tupperware yes. container in my house and switched to yes. glass, plastic yes. water bottles, all yes. that kind of stuff. But the other one, oh, go ahead, Amanda. No, I was just going to also say, are you guys familiar with the app Healthy Living? No, I th- no. So it's like EWG. I have it pulled up right now. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I, okay. So when I was starting to go through this whole process, I mean, I was like a crazy, crunchy, holistic. I mean, like I went through every product in our house, all of our, like even our dishwasher, what we clean the house with. I mean, like I went like from zero to a hundred because obviously I was told that I had unexplained infertility and it was like a whole thing, but this app, you literally search a project, uh, a product and it literally tells you, like, for instance, seventh generation, like, um, laundry detergent. It literally, like, tells you. I don't know if you can see this. It is so oh, cool. Yeah. Oh. Listed as an F, so you don't want that. Oh, um, shoot. They have, so, like, <laughs> A through F. And it literally tells you all the ingredients, like, yeah. what ingredients is in there, what, like, A through C. Like, this has boric acid in it, which is why it's considered an F. Oh, um, let's link that. Like every fragrance that's in it, like anything that has. I mean, anything, yeah, anything that's, anything that smells good, that is a phthalate, your mm-hmm. perfume, your shampoo. Again, we might have to literally live in a bubble. Um, and I think what happens is imagine, okay, so I'm 48. My whole life I've been using this. So say somebody that's, you know, on their journey in their thirties. How long does it now? And these are things I don't know. And I, I'm just talking out loud, but how long, and in this documentary, not so pretty, a fertility doctor had to go through it with her husband and her husband, it took them another three years to literally detox off this stuff. And I was like, so Dr. Carter and I, and Cassie, like, we really want to focus on, okay, how can we informationally get some stuff out to 
when you go to the OBGYN for the first time and you're what, 16, 17, how, why are we not informing women of this and men? So that is going to be my next step. Um, and, and I, I think now, you know, coming out of all this last year, um, you know, it's great. I want to be a part of all the fertility clinics, but I want to go to the OBGYNs and I know they're going to be very tough cookies, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of like, how do we get, how do we get the information? And I think more and more people are, you know, going to start really looking into this infertility rate. So. Oh, absolutely. Especially because it's getting higher and higher and more people higher, and younger and younger too are struggling with it. Right. And it, a lot of it's so unexplained. Most, I feel like 50% of it's unexplained. And then that's when we as women try to do whatever we can control, which is all these outside factors of right. toxins, what's in our house and yeah. all that stuff. Well, I know you have a client soon. Um, but I'm so, I'm so, so excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, Thank no, you I so love I love to hear your story. And then the other, other item I'm going to link. And I think that you include it sometimes when you're seeing clients is the book spirit babies. I know you alluded to it a little bit when you were speaking, I read it. Um, gosh, I don't, I think I read it right in between my IVF journey and it was, it's great. It includes miscarriages. It includes adoption, spirit babies with adoption to your point, Mm -hmm. Becca, like you know, I can, I can get donated tissue, but this, or, or surrogates. And so that one was really good. And you, you do give that book out sometimes, right? Yeah. I usually give it to, I, I try to give it to all of my fertility clients just so they realize that anything is possible as far as that we can do all of these things in this physical body. But really at the end of the day, like we're all just, we're all just souls. We're all just spirit. And so everything it, you know, and at this, and we have to look at that on a bigger level. And so, and, and, and God, you know, that's how we get through our journey. That's how I get, that's how I got through mine. That's how I hopefully can help people get through theirs. And sometimes when we start to think like that and come outside of all the appointments, all the rush, all the medicine, all that. And we try to literally go in a little bit. I try to just shift people's energy, you know? Um, so yeah, that is my goal. And I hope that anybody who is going through any sort of infertility struggles, if you need anything, please call us. I mean, we are here to talk. We are here to help. And, yeah. um, and so. where exactly are you guys located? Just so, so we're, we are at 1700 Ashley river road. So we're on 61 before you get to Sam Rittenberg, we're centrally located. Um, used to be an old state farm building on 61. So three seeds wellness studios, um, is it's really easy to find. And so either would love to hear from any of you out there listening. Um, if you need any, anything with your fertility journey. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Bye. All right. Thank you guys.